And welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vince, and I'm here with my co-host, Stevie D. Stevie D, we're back. Season six. Season six, we're back. Is, is your microphone not working? <laughs> oh, no, man, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It, we've had a, a little bit of a hiatus in the offseason, but uh, uh, it's good to be back, You know, especially because right before preseason starts, we got all the action about happening. And uh, no, I'm excited to get going. Yeah, for sure. Um, there, there's been a lot of happenings in the NFL. Obviously, you know, I, I stay close and pay close attention near and dear to my Buffalo Bills. You, my friend, you seem to dominate the airwaves, the headlines, all of the um, all of the media outlets that are out there talking about what was happening up in New Jersey. And it seems like New Jersey was a big star on the map. <laughs> you know, I got to get started early. <laughs> get him you know, in now, man. buddy. Get him in now because you won't be able to get him in later. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it was interesting. And I'll let you run with it. It was it was interesting just everything that was going on there, right? You had highs and lows. And, you know, we would talk on the phone constantly, you know, just – it's just too many rumors, too much noise. Um, you know, we went back and forth talking about the ownership, talking about the GM, talking about on the other side, the Packers ownership the, or, or the Packers group community owner. And and then, you know, the, the, the GM there and the way things were transpiring, it, it just it just seemed like it was taking forever. Right. And just could not figure out you know, when that actual shoe was going to drop, when, when they, they would consummate that deal. And finally, finally, you know, it got done personally, before I let you go personally, I didn't think it was the right move. Right. I told you this a long time ago. I did not think this was the right move. I thought that your best option was to get Derek Carr. Obviously we agreed with the fact that, uh, Zach was not the guy heading into this season, but in, in my in my being a football fan, not a Buffalo Bills fan, being a football fan, I thought that what you were going to get from Aaron Rodgers was going to equate to selling your soul to try to get a trophy. And we went back. We went back and forth. What's what's important? Getting a trophy for one year. And then having to kind of almost rebuild and reshuffle, similar to what we've seen other teams, a la the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what they did, right? Or do you go and you get, I'm not going to say a, a stopgap, but you get at least in the top 15 level of a quarterback that can give you some wins that will be better than what you had last year and, and keep you competitive and potentially be able to ring that bell, you know, over a longer stretch. It's definitely yours. Before you go, uh, I do see uh, my cousins out there. What's up, Glenn? DJ Cole's in the house. Uh, and Marcus is out there. Welcome back, guys. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. Stevie D, the floor is yours. You know, it's um, – what's it? You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Um, Jet fans, they're so thirsty to win, they'll drink the sand, right, because you're thirsty to win. And I think that's all part of, you know, what the Jets are thinking in the in the offseason, right? You said it. We needed a quarterback. That's no 
Shots fired from Bills Mafia. Shots fired. Well, I know Marcus isn't going to get my back because he's a Patriots fan. So, so that's not going to happen. But um, um, we had to do something. It was like, um, I'm with you. The Derek Carr could have given you longer sustainability with the quarterback of maybe eight, eight or nine years, um, it, you know, if everything went well with his health. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers, you know it's going to be short term. Um, I was not a fan of it. I would post on it. I was not a fan of the Aaron Rodgers trade. Um, I'm not a fan of selling my soul to the devil because when you start talking about trading for a quarterback that has a large sums of money, um, you start deferring. And, and you know, the date details came out that it's really like a seven-year contract, right, where they can space out the, the, the cap money, uh, the bonus money, so they can free up money for this year and next year. But at some point, that price has to be paid. The Buccaneers, for example, the Buccaneers paid this price this year, right? They're paying the price because Absolutely. they had to cut players. They were It was like $56 million. When that bill comes due, it can devastate a roster, right? Even when you're talking about depth players, that may not be a fortune. Depth players depth players play a big role in in organizations and when you have to cut that depth it hurts. to to your point and what ends up happening is that the organizations don't do it all at once they don't just rip the band-aid and say okay we're done they make these changes over a period of time which means over that period of time to your point you're you're reducing your talent level for a long stretch of time, which means that it's going to take you seven, sometimes seven years just to get back. Yeah. I mean, and remember, this long, is a seven-year deal, right? Like with the Bucks, with Tom Brady, it wasn't stretched out, that that dead money, like it is for, for, for Aaron Rodgers. Um, but here's the flip side to it. Aaron Rodgers has been every, everything and more to the Jets organization in a short period of time. He showed up for the OTAs. He's been working with all the teams. He's been taking his teammates out to hockey games and basketball games, getting to know his teammates. You know, at practice, when you're watching uh, the camp, right, they'll have a big play on offense. And what does he do? He goes down the field and he talks with the defensive. What did he what he saw on that play that allowed that play to happen? He's a coach on the field. It's it's more than I ever thought he was going to be right. He's more than just a player right now. And it's. And it's really cool to see his energy level. He's like a little kid out there when you see him. Literally, I mean, he's having fun. He's always he's got a smile on his face. And so, I, I think he, the Jets he's, really he, he's him. not having fun. He's still high. It, hey, it's all hey, those mushrooms. Come on, baby. Go go into that that sweat tank that he was in. You know where the darkness the dark, retreat. The darkness the, retreat. It's not a sweat the retreat. The darkness retreat. I mean, he even he even said that he wants the team to partake in this. He just yeah. wants everybody there to fail the drug test. I think it was him and Sauce were smoking uh, fake uh, oh. joints coming off the practice field together. No, I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, Sauce gets him the jewelry. It's just he's he's keeping the players on point in the meetings. Uh, Garrett Wilson has come out and said it. Brees Hall has come out and said it that – you know, last year, you know, we can kind of fluff off in the meetings, but in in these meetings, he's calling us out saying, okay, if I'm checking here, what is your assignment? And he's keeping the players engaged in the meetings. It's just a total, it's just refreshing to see that. Look, 
whether you like Aaron Rodgers or you don't like Aaron Rodgers, he's still a, a, a pretty good talent. He he knows what he's doing on the football field. He commands that respect, and, and it's showing with his teammates on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball, right? So sure. from that point, it's great. Uh, Zach Wilson, if you're paying attention, he's going to learn a lot. Will it make him better? Time will tell. But right now, all signs point in a couple months in with Aaron Rodgers. It's been it's been really great uh, for the Jets organization, and I love to see the collaboration. And I think that's where kind of Green Bay lost it. I know the fans and, and some ESPN personalities have come out and said, you give him back $35 million, you didn't do that in Green Bay. And I think it comes back to his feelings were hurt when they drafted Jordan Love. And he said, I needed a wide receiver. You drafted a – we were 13-3. and three. We need a wide receiver. You go get a backup quarterback that's not going to play. And I think that's that ripped it, and there was no going back there in Green Bay. And I think he wanted to show Green Bay that I am all in and I will do the right thing if you do the right thing by me. And I think the Jets are including him on a lot of things that he didn't wasn't included on in Green Bay, and he's loving it. So, again. You know, don't they say that history repeats itself? I mean, we all know – what happened when Brett Favre was the starting quarterback there. We all know that the Packers organization went out and said, hey, we have this kid. It was between him and Alex Smith. Remember, those were the top two quarterbacks coming out. And, you know, Alex Smith went a little higher. He drops to the Packers. The Packers pick him up. You know, Brett Favre is upset. Here's Aaron as this rookie out of college saying, hey, teach me the ropes. Let me learn, right? You would think – you would think that he would be able to reflect upon that, you know, as the years started to progress and he could understand that, Hey, Jordan love is here. Right. And there's a transition plan. So I don't know if it's exactly the same use case there uh, where Brett Favre was always talking about retirement year after year. And when they, when they drafted Jordan love, I don't, I don't Aaron Rodgers wasn't playing the retirement card like Brett Favre was playing. It. So I don't know if sure I would say it's the same. He he's been he's been on this. I don't know if this is my last year or next year and or my I, last year. Because of Jordan Love. I think it's because of Jordan Love. It happened Love. before Jordan Love. It happened it, it, it happened back then where he's like, I don't know how much longer I'm gonna play in this game, you know, maybe one, two more years. Well, if I'm the head of that organization, I got alarm bells ringing off in my ear, like, okay, what do we do? Right? We gotta do something. And then the next year he comes back, you know, I feel good. I, I went to my heat, dark, dry place, right? At one point, he went to South America, right? You remember that a couple of years ago? He went to South America. He, he came back. back with the hair. I was like, what? The, the man bun. He had the man bun going, right? He he felt good. He said, I'm ready to go. And then, you know, finished the season, had a good season. Comes back, you know, end of the season. What are you going to do? I, I don't know. This may be it. And then but again, it just and I, and you wonder, and that's what he's saying in, in the public. But you, what we all don't know, in all fairness to every situation, we don't know what's going behind the scenes with the team. I'm talking about Jay. That's what I'm talking about, Jay. But uh, in in seriousness, I, you don't know what's going on in an organization behind the scenes, right? So here, here he goes, and we we were on a hiatus, and he comes back bleeding the jet green, not the Kelly green, the jet green. Hey, Jay, I, I heard about your Kelly greens coming back. That's right, buddy. No, you're right. We we don't know what was said. So behind it's hard. Those it's doors. hard to say one way or another. I mean, it, it, we're speculating there. Um, 
you know, uh, they had LaFleur come in. You know, remember when they got rid of Mike McCarthy? He wasn't happy about Mike McCarthy. Did that start the retirement game because he was really pissed at the organization for getting rid of Mike McCarthy? You know, there's so much. And I don't know what's going sure. on in, the man, in, in man's head, but when you're 13 and three and you're drafting, I, I can understand it as a person that's trying to win right now. I, get me the wide receiver. I don't, I don't want to hear about a backup quarterback when we're coming off a 13 and three year. And we're expected to make that next jump. I need a weapon, right? But again, I can't help it. In business, you know, like I know, in business, if we're successful and I need to be strategic, right? Isn't that the buzzword? You have to be strategic, right? So I have to be strategic in my planning for my organization. And I have to look out. You can plan the following year. Not when you're poised to take that next step and you give me a backup quarterback. But is that one year too late? And now you take Possible. the dip. Sure. Right. You're an injury away, right? At 35. And, and, and when he got drafted, thing. Jordan Love, right? Aaron was 35. You're one hit away. Sure. I'm I, I I can I can see both sides of the I can definitely see both sides of the argument. As a competitor, I need weapons to win. I, I see what's going on here. I I and ladies and gentlemen of OU Sports. The tune has changed. The station has changed. Before, you know, we were going after Aaron Rodgers saying, oh, Aaron should do this and, you know, Packers this and all that. And now his zip code changes, his area code changes, right? I don't know. He woke up and found out what time it is. And and now all of a sudden it's, oh, I understand, Aaron. We have to do right by you. I, I see what's going on over there. Well, I mean, when you when you stop and think about it, in all fairness, if you if you were in the same situation and you were lacking weapons, and you were coming off a thirteen three season, do you want them to pick a, a backup quarterback? No. Right. So no. I mean, in fairness, I mean, as fans, you don't want it, right? As fans of your team, like I'm, I, I that that got a first round draft pick could be the difference of lining up against with Stefan Diggs and we're ready to go. Right. You, you draft a Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or, you know, in, in the first round and I'm ready, I'm ready to go. Well, right? I, you know, the one thing I will say to that though, Steve, you, you know, like I know that the draft is a crapshoot. It is. It totally right? is. We, we, we've seen some of the names throughout the years that were surefire hall of famers before the, their name was even called. Right. And a year, two years later, these guys aren't even in the league, right? So you don't know what you're going to get. You got guys like, and I'll use the most recent and former Green Bay Packer. He was also a former Buffalo Bill with Sammy Watkins, right? The Bills traded up to get Sammy Watkins because he was a generational talent coming out of that draft. And everybody said, oh, you know, I can't believe the Bills traded up, you know, because we moved, I think, from nine to either nine or ten to, to four to draft him. Uh, which is funny in itself because everybody was upset that the Bills don't make any moves. Well, we make a big splash move to get this guy, right? And he never panned out to be, A, worth the fourth pick in the in the draft, B, to be that generational player that everybody's talked about, to be a Hall of Famer, to be a pro bowler. He hasn't been anything of that, right? He hears voices is what, what he turned out, right? He said, oh, I hear voices on the field and all that. So you don't know what you're going to get. Now, it, it, instead of putting your frustration to the draft, right, change it up. Speak with the organization. 
tell them, hey, we got these free agents that are out there, right? Come to Green Bay. It's Titletown USA, or like they want to call it, right? It's Titletown USA. Come here, play in the shadows of Lombardi and of Star and, and you know, a Sharp and everybody else that's played through there. Come here, right? And that, you can get it done. That's a good point because the Green Bay is another team that doesn't go after the free agents too, right? That could have been part of his – you know, again, I'm speaking on for him when I really don't know. Is it the draft? Was it the lack of trying to get a trade for a wide receiver or sign a free agent to have an impact on the offense, right? So, I mean, that's a topic that we didn't even really kind of touch on that side of the ball. We just putting it towards the draft, but it could be wide receiver or making making a trade, you know, to bring somebody in to help. But that that was, you know, and we never did hear from Aaron explicitly on this, right? What we heard is that Aaron is not happy. That we we heard it. From I the just media. think he didn't Aaron, want to throw Aaron the organization. I don't think he wanted to throw an organization, and then he says something, and then the organization counters, and then you know you're you're in a war of words on, on what really happened. I think. I think what Brett's got in his mind is a little bit of the truth. I think what the Packers have in their minds is a little bit of the truth, and then a little bit of skewed between the ball. Somewhere and the ball. in the middle. Like it, uh, most, absolutely. Like it mostly happens, right? So, Stevie D, let, let's, uh, let, let's kind of move move gears a little bit. Uh, give, give us a little bit of a rundown of what we – since you've been sleeping, right? I've been waiting. I've been sitting here every Wednesday at 7.55 waiting to go live and Stevie D is like, nah, I'm tired. I, you know, I think I'm going to take a rest. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's going on in Jets camp, right? So if, if I've been, I've been, I've been stuck watching film and film and film. I've been in the film room. You're over here in front of the computer, and I'm here studying film. All I'm going to say, and I want this, I'm putting it on tape, right? You, you say you got to get, you got to get film. My man Stevie D who lives in the Midwest, was in the Northeast during the middle of training camp. And I said, hey, you're going to training camp? He said, oh, no, I can't. Wait, wait what? And he's First like, well, all, you know, they, the sold, they sold out. He they said, sold they out sold in three out. minutes. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. You see this up here? OW Sports, you make the call and you let them know. Let me show you. We have you know, we have one of the podcasts. Do you remember the last time? Facebook. Do you remember the last time you got in a doghouse with the original Mrs. D? Uh, I do. I do. Yeah. Do you want to be in that doghouse again? Hell, uh, you know. I, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I, well, you might want to have an apology out there. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm, I'm just saying, somehow you could have worked in it. You, you could have called up. You know, the coach, you could have called him Salah. You could have called – you could have broken the story on uh, Sean Payton. You you could have, you could have been over there at Jets camp, and you could have been like, listen, I hear they're dogging you out. You know, Payton's about to go live with something. You know, you could have got in, you know, the 5 a.m., 4 a.m. You know those guys are – you I'm know they're, they're watching. Film, but I'm breaking down film, okay? I'm breaking it down. What film are you breaking down? All the training Barbie? camp. We've been in training camp. Can you break it down, Barbie? Yeah, I, I know you were out there. You wanted to see the pre-release of Barbie. That's what you were doing. All right. Take it away. <laughs> no, you know, it's from the jet camp. It, I, I, we touched on it, right? Aaron Rodgers making his 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 
imprint all over this team, everywhere on, on this team. Um, uh, you know, we talk about iron sharpening iron. Garrett Wilson now lining up against Sauce Gardner every day of practice, and they're having those battles. Um, watching, to me, that the, the surprise is, is Tony Amos, uh, who's an undrafted uh, free agent that they signed last year. And he's, I mean, Salah's come out and talked about him, but he's having a rock-solid uh, camp, not only on the field, but just watching the film, breaking it down where everybody needs to be. He's really a shining point. Because, honestly, when, when we lost Chuck Carr to injury, I was really nervous at the safety spot. Along uh, alongside of Jordan Whitehead and this kid Amos is is really kind of put a lock on the safety spot. So I'm feeling really good about that. Um, you know, Sauce and DJ are doing their thing. Our defensive line, I'm telling you, if somehow these guys can stay healthy, they have more pass rushers. I don't know what to do with. Like, holy cow! Come the fourth quarter, they're going to be refreshed, and they have the guys who can go after it from Huff. Obviously, we signed Quinton Williams again. You got Franklin Myers. You got Michael Clements, who's about to become a beast. You got Carl Lawson. You got Will McDonald, the rookie, who's looking really good. And Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, your guy. He is the one that's going to take the biggest jump this year on the, on that defensive line. He 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 came out and, ha- and did an interview, and he said, you know, when you're coming out as a rookie, you're, you're learning. He goes, after the first year, I realized, holy cow, like I need to get bigger and stronger. And he worked out all offseason getting ready, getting his body mentally and physically prepared for um, for, for the season. And he's been looking very good in camp. So you now that's the defensive side of the ball. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, what's that? It's gelling. It's Aaron Rodgers with his playmakers getting the gel. He's been making some really great passes. Lazard has been honestly. I've seen some catches by Lazard. I was like, wow, I didn't realize he had those kind of hands. Um, I haven't seen much out of Miko Hardman, um, but honestly, I didn't. Jeff fans were making a big deal. He was out here in Kansas City. He was like a forgotten man out here. I just don't think he's going to bring much other than gadget plays to the Jets organization, to be honest with you. His route running skills were an issue out here. So unless he had a, an epiphany on how to learn how to route run, I don't see him having a, a huge impact. But again, what's the question mark for the Jets? The offensive line. And from what I'm seeing, they're struggling. Um, now, are they struggling because the Jets' defensive line is that strong? Well, let me tell you something. They better figure it out because they're going to go up against some good D-lines in the NFL, right? And so um, they got to figure out. Dwayne Brown is on the pup. He's the left tackle. Um, they're not really worried about him. They're just giving him extra time to recover because he had the offseason so- shoulder surgery. Um, so – they expect him to come back fully healthy and, and plug in at left tackle. The battle at right tackle is Max Mitchell and Makai Becton. And Max Mitchell is looking phenomenal, they say, at right tackle, um, compared to my Makai Becton. Makai Becton, and for the fans that may not know, he's been injured the last couple of years. And uh, he's having trouble trusting his right knee. And that's an issue. Um, and the Jets have called him out for it. And he's called himself out that, look, he gets hurt again. He's not coming back. Who's who's gonna who's gonna pay him? They, they declined the fifth year. This is his fifth year, right? So the 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 fifth year's fifth year's decline. So he's a free agent. I'm surprised that he's still a little hesitant, right? Because this this is your get paid year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And if you and if you're gonna be hesitant, if you get injured, you're done. N- nobody's gonna sign you. Yep. Other than it's backup money, right? We'll, yep. we'll sign you for death. Maybe you play a couple of games, but 
um, really at the end. And it's a sad story because he's a large man. Maybe he was just too large for the knee. Um, but center positions, another battle. You had the incumbent, uh, Conor McGovern. Not your Conor McGovern, but our Conor McGovern uh, at center. And uh, as you guys know, we, we drafted Tipman in the second round to play center. He's a six foot seven, 300-something pound center. Um, but for right now, McGovern's got a lock right now on, on the center position. Tipman has been a little bit uh, slow to you know pick things up. So it's a little disappointing. High round draft pick in the second round. I thought we were going to see a little bit more out of Tipman uh, at center. I really wanted to see him overtake Connor McGovern. But right now, Connor's kind of got that. And then you got you know, Vera Tucker coming back from injury. We know he's going to be fine as long as he's healthy. And Lakeland Tomlinson's got to have a better year. And uh, there's just no way around. He's got to have a better year. So my left guard, I'm a little shaky on, on Lakeland Tomlinson. Um, but again, overall, our line has just hasn't gelled yet. Uh, again, with left tackle being wide open because Dwayne Brown hasn't been practicing. I think once he gets in and he shows he's healthy, I think the line will start to, to gel a little bit better. So that's that's Jed Camp in, in a nutshell. So th- thank, thank you for, you know, discussing the B team. Uh, we appreciate that, and um, you, you know, know you got choked. We're going to see. That, we're going to see now, game one, week one, baby. That now it's really, time really, really to go play. to and I don't want to hear the, the defending champions, the defending champions. You know who did not lose their last seven or eight games of the year. Let's get to the team. But remember, really, everybody is. We didn't lose the game in fifteen seconds and thirteen seconds. Wasn't that? Isn't that the, the mantra? Yeah, just, the just 13, but that's okay. Is that the you, mantra? You, you, you lost it. All you, you need is a game with 59 minutes and 59 seconds. All that's you what need you is 15 seconds to take out the Buffalo yeah, you, Bills. You lost that's a game it. with 59 minutes and 59 okay. seconds. As soon as it kicked off, they were like, oh, that's an L. Chuck it up to an L. One five. Chuck one it up five. to an L. We're that, not going to play okay. defense. But let 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 me let me first start by saying that I'm so glad that this offseason is over, right? Because it's something we're going to talk about, Stevie D. Um, the rumors and the stories seem to dominate the headlines throughout this offseason. And, you know, what, what I'm a little disappointed with, and, yes, I'm going to get on Bill's Mafia, what I'm a little disappointed with, I think too many people are jumping on the bandwagon for Bill's Mafia just because it sounds cool, but you really don't bleed that red, white, and blue for the Buffalo Bills. And the reason why I say that is because earlier on this year, all of a sudden the media starts reporting there's some friction between Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. There's some friction between Stefan Diggs and the Buffalo Bills organization. Oh, look at what happened to his Instagram. Oh, look what happened to this. His brother says he wants to play in Dallas. Well, you know, you, you have that all over the place. You, you, you have the, the Watts brothers that play all over the place. You have the Edmonds brothers that play in different locations. You have brothers that are over, right, in different locations. Doesn't mean because you have the same DNA or because you have the same family tree that you have to be on the same team. So this nonsense about Stefan Diggs going to Dallas, you know, and this was coming out right right after the Pro Bowl, that, that was ludicrous. But no, they wanted to kind of fuel the flame. And maybe as a as a Bills fan and part of Bills Mafia, maybe we should be happy with that, right? Because you can't find anything negative to say about us, right? So then you have to start making up stories. And really, that's what they do to the teams that they're afraid of. 
right? And so now all of a sudden you start hearing more rumors and more stories, right? And the next one is that that uh, Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen aren't getting along and that Stefan Diggs was holding out of the OTAs. Optional, optional, let, let's be clear, he was holding out of optional. And then when it was time for him to show up, guess who was there? Stefan Diggs was there, right? Met with the coaches, had a conversation that none of us were privy to, just like you talked about with Aaron Rodgers, that none of us were privy to. And the only information we got is what they gave us, right? And then next thing you know, he's on the field, smiling, laughing, joking, right? It didn't seem like there was any contention, right? Any type of, uh, of force type of emotions, right? Doing the same handshakes that he and Josh are doing, all that kind of stuff, walking up and down the sidelines, out there at practice. And then he comes into training camp, reports on time. He's walking in with the rest of the guys. And I found this interesting. And shame on you, Buffalo Bills social media. Shame on you, Buffalo Bills, period, for allowing this to come out. But they take all the pictures of the guys walking through the parking lot, you know, carrying their 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 backpacks and their luggage and blankets and whatever, right? Here comes Josh, and he's happy-go-lucky. Take the picture, smiling, say cheese. Deion Dawkins, smile, say cheese, right? Jordan Poyer, everybody coming through. All these pictures being posted. But the one picture that is does not have a player smiling is Stefan Diggs. Why? Right now, this is internal. This is us doing it, right? Self-inflicted wound. But why? Because they chose that one single frame to say, oh, let's put this up there. Now, common sense would tell you, let me go through to see if there's any others of Stefan Diggs smiling. That one picture that they had, Stevie D, had him with a cell phone in his hand. Had a one, you know, so you don't know if he was communicating with some. Maybe he's talking to his agent or or to family member or whomever. Maybe maybe he's talking to his brother, right? So you know I'm not coming down there, right? With a look of not smiling. But as he got closer, I'm sure there was one where he was showing all 32 of the pearly whites. I know there was a picture, but you decided to use that one. And then I go to Bill's Mafia. For you to jump on that single picture and say, oh, well, if you don't want to be here, then you don't need to be. Wait, hold on a minute. Just think for a second. Just think. Look at the picture. It didn't take me but two seconds to look at the picture and be like, well, here's a guy carrying all this stuff. We all have traveled to the airport. You know you get out of the car. You're not smiling. You're trying to hurry up to get to wherever you need to be. Plus, he has the phone in his hand. So, you know, to, to come down on digs for that, I was, I, you know, I was very disappointed. Bill's media should be held accountable for posting that photo of their player. Know. Why would you put, why would you, there's nobody in their right mind would post their own photo of their own players with somebody that wasn't having a good time or appearance of having a good time. Why would you do oh, that? What, who in the media approved that? Because I am sure any photo has to go through layers of approval within an organization when you're talking about social media. It's not just a random guy named Joe in there saying, oh, I'm going to take this photo, let me upload it, and off it goes. Somebody's got to approve what's written, the photo, emojis, the whole nine, to cover the organization to make sure nobody's just doing anything. 
That's what they so all have the SLR car cameras. They all get, you know, 1,000 frames per minute as they go through. Oh, here's a good one. Let me put it up there. No, what they did was, oh, here's a good one. Let me put this up there to kind of stir the pot. But neither here nor there, right? This, the you know, everybody checked in. Very happy to see. No holdouts, not, not dealing with any of that nonsense. You know, we, ha we also had a little bit of change, DVD, in the offseason, right? It just seems like. Let's get rid of all, all the craziness. Unfortunately, we lost, or fortunately in some cases, we lost Leslie Frazier. Interesting how we lost Leslie Frazier because that also dominated the headlines this offseason, right? Because the rumor was that Leslie was going to step away for a year. And then, you know, they didn't say he was coming back, but they said he was stepping away for a year, right? Which led darkness to retreat. He, he was going to Aaron Rodgers' darkness retreat, although he just couldn't stay over the water. He probably was, right, setting up shop. And then, you know, you start hearing other reports, right, well, who's going to backfill him? Nobody's backfilling. kind of makes sense, right? I'm not going to hire a D.C. if you're only gone for a year. And then next thing you know, Sean McDermott is now the play caller, right? They have a, a defensive assistant who's kind of overseeing things, but Sean McDermott is going to actually wear two hats, right, which is going to be interesting. We're going to need to follow this as the season progresses, because as a head coach, you need to focus on the, the game situation. And you, you have, there's the timeouts, the game management from the timeouts, the injuries that you need to keep, stay abreast of. You need to be talking to your coordinators and you need the coordinators to be able to talk to the players and do all those things so that you can make the proper calls. If McDermott is calling the plays, then how is he really in the ear and listening to his captains like like a, a Jordan Poyer or or a Micah Hyde, right? How are you doing that? How are you listening to a Von Miller? And now from a linebacking core, how are you listening to a Matt Milano? So that's going to be interesting, right? Obviously, the the assistants or the the fill-ins, if you will, will be you know relaying information, but sometimes things get dropped. Right. We yeah. all had played that telephone game when we were little. Right. And the message that goes to the next person goes to the next person. All of a sudden, something may be off. And I know as a leader and CBD, you do as well, that a lot of times if I hear you over the phone. It doesn't always come across when I see you face to face. Right. I can see your body language. I can see your facial expressions. I can just see the sense, the tone. And if I'm more focused on what my offense is doing then I don't have that same level of interaction. How am I calling the right defensive scheme, the right defensive play, right? So I, I'm very curious to see how this is going to go. Uh, you know, I've listened to some of the media outlets in Buffalo, and what I've heard, what I've heard is that this is going to be the beginning, and we'll see what happens game after game, and potentially a change will be made. I think to be successful, the change has to be made. Right now, I'm not saying that you can't have your thumbprint on it, but as far as a true coordinator and calling the plays, that that needs to go somewhere else. Well, so, I, don't, I don't know how many defensive coordinators become head coaches and then run the defense so successful, but we've had head coaches in the past, Andy Reid, Sean Payton in in New Orleans, that have run the offensive plays and have been successful coaches. Now, can you say they had always successful defenses? Andy Reid always didn't have – well, I mean, well, as far as defensive coaches, right, they, they typically, um, you know, the Rex Ryans of the world, they, they have a short shelf life. 
I mean, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I'll just put it that way in, in Buffalo. How does Sean handle yeah. those duties and then the rest of it? Um, and will, will the team suffer? I mean, I don't know. I, I truly, I, I don't know. You would know more about that than I would. Um, the question is, I wish they would be honest and not say that he's taken a one-year leave in Leslie Frazier. That, I, I agree. It, it's like one of those things like, guys, we, we know what's happening here. Just be honest and truthful about it. Like it never looks you, good. It never looks good. Yeah. And, and, and you've said it, I've said it, you know, just be honest with us. And, and it feels as though they can never be honest with us. So, well, we'll see what happens there, but Stevie D, cause I want to wrap up the bills here. So uh, when we look at the draft, I, I was very pleased with what Brandon Bean and McDermott did in the draft. Obviously um, the, what could be deemed as the steal is Dalton Kincaid tight end. Um, they're, they're saying that he's in the mold of Travis Kelsey. I hate comparisons like that, right? We'll, we'll see because the offenses are run different, right? The, the players and everything is, is different. So we don't know what he's going to do, but what we do know is that he has the body, he has the athleticism to be able to stretch the middle as well as run all nine of the route tree, right? And so you're, you're getting something there and you have a guy that you can move out into the slot. And so that takes a lot of the pressure off of Dawson Knox, who is the incumbent at tight end. Um, and I'd love to see him run a two tight end set, right? And, and have these guys go split that middle. That that definitely makes lanes open for James Cook, as well as it relieves a lot of the pressure because now the safeties can't roll for coverage over to uh, Diggs or to Davis. And now those corners are going to have to play him straight up. So I, I'm very interested to see what happens there. Um, the the second round pick, who right now, uh, what I've heard, he's gotten some reps with the first team, and that's that's the right guard Osiris uh, Torrance. Now, big, 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 big guy, right out of University of Florida. You know, he's a Gator, but you know what? When, once you're gone, then, then I'm okay with you. Um, but he's a big body and definitely is going to be an improvement because if you remember last year when we played the Bengals. Um, when we came on the show after that loss, you know, I, I, you know, just was very demonstrative in what I said, where they got smacked in the mouth, right? They got punched in the, in the mouth on both sides of the ball. And this move right here shows me that they, they also saw that they were beat on the offensive line and bringing in a guy like this is definitely going to improve that offensive line. Uh, it's not a completely rebuilt, but it's a healthy offensive line. And we're going to see what happens there. Uh, obviously, uh, they did sign Connor McGovern. I think he was he the the clock struck twelve oh one, and he was already signing. So they knew what they had to do, and they got it done. Um, now, now Connor McGovern, he, he he's gotten a lot of flack from the Buffalo fan base on like you paid him a lot of money. Do you do you do you feel the same way on that, or do you really feel that that was a so, good sign for Buffalo? I think it was a good signing, right? And, you know, again, things that we don't know that we didn't see behind the scenes. Uh, you have all these uh, analytic type sites that are coming out that say how well you did per play, right? Th those we can we can debate and go back and forth, right? Uh, but you are looking at a big body. He's got a nasty streak to him. Now, you know, his snaps in Dallas were not, were, you know, probably what you would expect and probably everybody's looking for that big name, right? Sometimes you don't get the biggest name, 
right? I live down here in the Tampa Bay area, right? And when you look at the Tampa Bay Rays baseball team, right, they have found a way to go out there and find talent. They don't sign the the Nolan Arenados or the Tatises or whoever, Giancarlo Stanton, we talked about him earlier. They don't sign those guys. But sure enough, they find guys that they can bring in that become dominant in that other teams want once that contract expires and pay them the boatload of money, right? So really, in essence, what we're talking about is your front office and your scouting, right, and your coaching staff. Because, you know, one of the things we've talked about, CBD, round, round, you know, putting the square peg into the round hole, right? If you are constantly trying to force something into something where it doesn't fit, it's not going to work, right? If you adjust your scheme or you find somebody that is adapted into your scheme, then you're going to see success out of that, right? It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. Right. And so, you know, maybe he just wasn't the right fit for Mike McCarthy and for the Dallas Cowboys. Right. You come to Buffalo, you look at what we're doing and the way we run things. And maybe you are that right fit. And now your game is going to flourish. So time will tell. We'll see. Right. Um, I, I hate to make prejudgments. I will certainly say by week four. <laughs> right. Ask me that question. Again. And then and then we can talk. Um, you know, with a couple other things on the offensive side of the ball, um, we lost Naheem Hines. We, we went back and forth on this, right? Freak accident that just happened. It was just a couple weeks, excuse me, a couple weeks ago. Freak accident. Um, and then everybody was jumping to, oh, you know, the, the, the Bills have to sign James Cook. Oh, the Bills have to trade for Saquon Barkley, which came out. Oh, the Bills have to trade for or sign running back X. No, no, we don't. Okay. No, we don't. We have James Cook, who everybody said is ready to take off and have a great year, right? We'll see what happens. But, you know, you listen to Dorsey. Dorsey came out and said he's a three down back. That's my type of running back, CBD. I've told you that, right? And that means that maybe he improved in, in his pass blocking and, and blitz pickup. Right behind him, we already signed Damian Harris who is a very, very good, um, you know, running back coming from the Patriot organization. Behind him, we have Latavius Murray. Oh, right. you, you signed Latavius Murray. Interesting. Latavius Murray. So why do I need to go out there and sign a $10 million, double-digit million-dollar running back to come in and to fill what? Are you going to move Cook out? Are you going to move Harris out? Well, right. You have that in the clicker right there, right? Right in, in the ticker down below. And we're going to talk about it. Absolutely. So, you know, you listen to that, and I we're good there. Gabriel Davis, he was hurt last year, ladies and gentlemen. He started the season hurt. Reason why I know this, because I drafted him on the fantasy team, right? And I did, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, he's hurt. All right. He's healthy. You have the additions that they made at tight end. Plus, they brought in Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy. Deontay Hardy could be the steal of free agency, right? right? With his speed and the way that they use it. I'm not, you know, I know we're we're up against it, so I do kind of want to go over to the defensive side real quick. And you know, the looking at the defensive line, we once again in that same Cincinnati game got got beat up. We got punched in the mouth, and. 
we also lacked the pass rush once Von Miller got hurt, right? So those are two things that we needed to address. The interesting thing is that by signing one player, they may have addressed everything, right? And the reason why I say that is that they signed Leonard Floyd, right? Now he's older, right, but still productive, right? And you bring him and you bring Von on the edge. So, so then the question is, what are you going to do in the middle? Well, you still have Ed Oliver, right, who, who is, you know, what I'm hearing having a great camp. You have Daquan Jones. But also now Greg Rousseau has been working so that he comes into the middle, right? So now you have that long body. You have, you have those long arms in the middle. They should be able to get the push that we're looking for. You talk about the depth. We have the depth. Uh, they have Ponta Ford, who they, they they brought in, which I think is a great, great signing. You still have Shaq Lawson. So I'm not worried there. Big loss to some, and, and I will say for right now, is the free agent loss of Tremaine Edmonds, right, linebacker. That, that one um, – that one kind of shakes things up a little bit, Stevie D, because, you know, he was a green dot guy. Green dot meaning he called the plays, right? You got him when he was young, and this is what I hate about it, right? We drafted this kid at 19 years old, right? In my mind, I envision having him retire as a Buffalo Bill, right? And you're able to mold him and shape him over the first three or four years. Unfortunately, once you've molded and shaped him, now somebody else goes and pays $75 million. And you're like, I can't afford that, right? And and that's that's what ended up happening. Now, we do have some people that are waiting in the wings. Only time will tell, right? right? I I really was hoping that we make a splash there at the linebacker position. But I think that they're they're content with uh, Tyrell Dodson and Braylon Spector. They, these are these are uh, young young players, right? And I think they're waiting to figure out what happens. You have Terrell Bernard, you know, another guy that's really young, relatively young. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. And then when you get to the secondary, and if you don't mind, Stevie D, let me just kind of segue as I talk the secondary here. Um, you know, the the big thing is the dynamic duo is back. And happy, which is good. Talk about Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, right? Um, we're gonna see what happens now with Christian Benford, who was like, uh, if you if you remember, he was kind of like the hard the Chris Hogan of hard knocks or any guy on hard knocks, right? Where you follow him and the, you have this rookie that's having this phenomenal camp, and that's really what happened for him, right? And things kind of fell into place. Next thing you know, he's starting. Opening week, right? He plays for a few weeks, and then next thing you know, he gets hurt, and really his his season gets derailed after that. But he made a lot of great plays. But the talk was that they were going to move him to safety, so I, I'm I'm kind of questioning what actually happens there. You also have Kair Elam, who was the number one pick last year. He didn't get the run that I was expecting. Okay, and, and Dane Jackson kind of was in that role, and maybe it's because Sean McDermott, in the way he likes to handle his rookies, typically, because uh, I think Dalton Kincaid is going to be the exception to this, but he likes his rookies to kind of wait, right, and marinate a little bit, bring them in slowly. Uh, and so he he really did not, especially when Trey White came back. And speaking of Trey White, uh, you know, with Trey, he was coming off the injury, he didn't look the same to me, Stevie D. And I told you last year, I think they brought him back too early. 
right? It's one of those injuries where, just like with Becton, right, you have got to get the confidence in your body to be able to do things. And sometimes your mind tells your body that it can do something, and your body says, I don't care what you say, I can't do it just yet, right? And, and I think most players, players coming off that injury feel the same way. They're just not – they may be medically 100%, but it takes time to get in that game shape of – Get bringing back all that speed that that you had and and flexibility. And so, yeah, absolutely. Now, a name that I left out, and, and let's go ahead and segue over here is Demar Hamlin. Okay, big story. We all talked about it last year, right? We talked about uh, the recovery. We talked about you know just the reaction and the weight that it played on the team. And you know, you take the team out of it. You know, you had a young man that has made a remarkable recovery, right? You know, kudos. He's received all the awards, the accommodations. He's been everywhere and good for him and good for his charitable foundation, right? Who has raised oogobs of money, right? And so that that's great. But when you talk about the play in the field, I'm concerned, okay? I'm concerned because ultimately it it's not what the body can do, but it's what's in your mind. It's what's in the mind for DeMar Hamlin, and it's what's in the mind from the defenders, or on the in this case, the offensive side of the ball, right? Because we know what happened with T. Higgins, right? T. Higgins was a wreck, right? When this happened, he was done, right? Just done. Um, and, and, you know, it took a lot of uh, inner workings between the Cincinnati Bengals, the Buffalo Bills, right? Communicating just amongst each other to the brotherhood that it, that it is, right? And you saw that, you know, he was able to kind of overcome that, but that's something that doesn't leave you, right? It will not leave, it won't leave him for the rest of his life, right? It's just one of those things. It was tragic. It was unfortunate. It was one of those Almost things. Almost like a PTSD that, that military members go through, right? And, and Absolutely. T is going to relive the rest of his career, and obviously DeMar is going to have that uh, in his mind for the rest of his life. Absolutely. So I'm curious. I'm curious. Now, first of all, you know, enough of the media blitz on DeMar Hamlin, right? Because, um, you know, he's healthy. He's been He's been cleared. You know, maybe the first day, you know, you get all the cameras out there to see the number three running on the field. But let's not make this week in, week out, day in, day out, DeMar Hamlin. There, there was a clip that came on uh, one of the four-letter networks yesterday. DeMar Hamlin has a pick six in practice. Oh, oh okay. It was an overthrown pass. <laughs> he, he, he caught the ball. You know, they were in pads, but there really wasn't tackling, right? Don't need, don't need to keep going into that. The other thing, Stevie D, that I'm curious about is when it's live game action. Right. And somebody asked me, you know, what is it going to be like in practice? And I don't know how to answer that. Right. Because I think that there's going to be some guys that are going to see number three coming and, and not have the same force and, you know, just come at them with the same vigor as if it had the number four or number six or whatever it may be. There's always those guys out there. There's a couple <laughs> that are oblivious to the number are going to try to do whatever, right? 
And I'm sure DeMar, since he was medically cleared, will be able to handle that, right? But it's it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens and how that's happening in practice. But I, I also say the same for the game, right? Instead of, if we remember how it happened, right? If you remember how it happened, T. Higgins was running and he was lowering his shoulder to run over. Does that happen again? You know, it's interesting. It is. I, I, I don't personally, I just like in practice, I think that somebody may see something, even though it happens in a split second, you still know, right? You still know who's there. You scan, you know who's out there. And, and so that next, you know, as you're trying to get those extra yards, you may do something different than you normally would, right? You may do a stiff arm instead of lowering the shoulder. You may go to the side instead of trying to run them over and do a truck type type move. So that's going to be interesting. Um, but I, I'm very encouraged and I'm very happy for that young man. I really am that, you know, at, at, at the minimum, he was able to come out to the field, bond with his brothers, be able to get out there and actually participate what he went through, you know, less than 12 months ago. I mean, think about it. It really was like six months ago, what he went through to where he is today. It's, it's something that should encourage everybody out there. Right. And, you know, everybody should have the willpower, should have the mindset that that tells them that nothing can ever stop them from fulfilling their their dreams and their goals. Right. And at least to make that effort to fulfill those dreams and goals. I I was more impressed with his. He came out and said, yes, I do have fear. I do have fear of playing. And And I commend that because it's easy to say and hide your real emotion and say, no, I'm good. I got this. This is not a big deal. You know, I've done this my whole life, but I I thought uh, for anybody that's gone through an injury or a cardiac arrest, I'll say, because young kids go through it, right? Young athletes that are on the little league fields, right? We saw one one last week. Right. Yes. And so, you know, those kids that want to get back into sports may have those fears are afraid to communicate it and then all of a sudden you you see a guy that plays in the nfl and it's like oh my god here's a he's an adult male playing the nfl and they're supposed to be all these tough guys and yet he comes out and says yes i i am afraid and i applaud him for doing that because i think those words alone will help the youth more of saying i can get it back out there and play yeah and so i credit him for 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 saying how he really felt in that sugarcoating or beating around the bush or just lying about it because he doesn't want to answer more questions because no, he opens himself up for more questions of, well, DeMar, no, back in training camp, you were said afraid. And when you missed that play, were you afraid? So he opens himself up to maybe some of that, you know, down the road. I just, I give him all the credit for the world for, for saying it um, and not making it sound like he's not afraid. So good for him. Sure. 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 So, Stevie D, you know, we used to have a segment uh, that I need to get this off my chest, right? Um, You know, maybe we revisit that uh, this season. Uh, But there's something that's really bugging me, and and I'm calling names, right? What did did your coach say? I I have the receipts, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm calling names. Hey, Hey, James, yes. 
and I, I, you know, yep. so I do agree yeah. with that. You know, a lot of people said that that you know that was the strain in the in the focus was lost. But yeah, I, I I'm collecting receipts DVD, and so one of the ones I'm calling out, and what we're talking about here is the just the media and the clickbait. Everybody's dying to be scoop, right? You, you remember back in, in like the eighties, you know, you, you used to have the newspaper reporter had the hat and it actually went back prior to the eighties, but you know, they used to make fun of it and they, it would say scoop, right? Because they always had, we're the first to get the story. And, you know, you, now you see in the era that we are in with social media um, and, and with, you know, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, um, threads, whatever, Facebook, that everybody wants to be the first to say something. And it's, you know, it's translated over to the website, right? How many clicks can I get? Right. And so what, what you're seeing out there is that these people are just making up crap, right? Call it what it is, making up crap. Saw one tonight. It's not football related. Talk about Joel Embiid headed over to the Golden State Warriors, right? So what, what, what did they do? They, they flashed that so that now you're clicking on it and you want to read this article and you realize you have just lost two to five minutes of your life that you're never getting back because these jerk-offs come up with something stupid and ridiculous. And by the time you read it and you really start to understand, you're like, this isn't true, right? It makes no sense, right? And that's what's happening time after time. And when we were talking about Aaron Rodgers, we're talking about the Buffalo Bills running back situation or, or, the lack thereof a quote-unquote situation, right? You see all these things that are coming out. Stefan Diggs, clickbait, right? That's all it is is clickbait. But, I, you know, let me take it here for you, Stevie D. When Naheem Hines went out, now I just went through the depth chart, right? We, we've heard what the coaches have said. They are very happy letting Devin Singletary go, right? They didn't sign him because they knew that they had their guy. But as an insurance policy, one of the early signings was Damian Harris, right? So they had their one-two punch. And then they had added on Latavius Murray. Now, Naheem Hines goes out. I'm sorry, right? Feel bad. But what was his role on the team? He was the fourth string running back, Stevie D. So they weren't worried about getting a running back. But now, all of a sudden, all these pundits and all these articles are saying, the Bills should go sign Delvin Cook. Why? Because James Cook is there, right? The Bills should trade for Saquon Barkley. I'm not joking when I say that they were out there saying the Bills should trade for Barkley. They said that the Bills should trade for Jonathan Taylor. Why do we need to trade for Jonathan Taylor, right? And we were linked to multiple other backs out there just because this guy got hurt, which means you know nothing about the team. You know nothing about the depth chart, and all you hear is this guy. But also, let me ask you this. Why wouldn't you say Saquon Barkley should go to the Detroit Lions or go, go to the Arizona Cardinals or go to the Washington Commanders? They always like to take the teams that are at the top and think that they want to become this mega team, and it sounds good. No, it makes you sound like an idiot. And these articles are ridiculous. And there's the responsibility, just like you said, and I agree that it was the responsibility of the Bills social media and the Bills press to not allow a picture like that of Stefan Diggs going 
into training camp with a, a non-smiling face. And if that if that's what it was, it, that's what it was. But I'm telling you, it, it wasn't. From his personality and everything else, it was up to them. And it's up to these, these media outlets to stop putting out this fake crap, right? This clickbait. You get nothing for a click, right? Well, actually, maybe you do get paid for the click, but you lose any type of respectability and accountability for yourself for anybody to want to do it later, right? Sooner or later, people are going to stop. They're going to be like, look, you're a joke, right? And whether it be, and you can always tell, little hint, a little hint to, to anybody that's, that's uh, you know, watching the podcast, just look at the address. It'll tell you the website. And if you have to scratch your head for a second and say, what the hell website is this? 10 times out of 10, it's clickbait, right? And they just want you to get you over to their website. So, you know, I, I'm done with that, but, you know, it just really annoyed me. And it happened to you, Stevie D, because it happened with Aaron Rodgers. It happened to you, Stevie D, because it happened with Delvin Cook, right? So it, we, we see it time after time. Enough of it. Just enough. All right. I digress. The state of the running back, Stevie D. It's interesting. It is. It is. I I have – I personally, I believe I know what the issue is. Fantasy football. I believe that – yes, I believe that fantasy sports have come to ruin actual – the games that we see on the field. Really? Because really? – because what happened was that you had the non-athletic guys that thought that they could be the GM or thought that they could play and all of a sudden said, let me go deep into these numbers and this is the guy to have. And analytics was truly born out of that. Follow it back, right, to where we are. But what they failed to account for is all of the the just different isolated things that go into the into the position and into the game, right? You want to talk about plays on a field, or you want to talk about carries that a, that a back has. You want to talk about the pounding, right? But you you fail to realize that the game has changed, not for the better, right? The game has changed because of fantasy sports. Just throw the ball around. Right. Again, I equate it to I equate it to basketball. Basketball has changed. It used to be an outside in game. Now it's an inside out where everybody spread out around the three. And they say analytics says that if you shoot more threes, you get the extra point. You're going to end up scoring more. No, no. If you play traditional basketball, you play with a traditional lineup. I'm willing to bet you nine times out of ten or ten times out of ten, I'm winning. Because I'm going to put you in the post. I'm going to back you down. And that's what you're getting foul after foul. Right. And you're bringing in the ninth, 10th, 11th guy on the bench. And then if you want to be able to kick it back out and, you know, have some shooters. Absolutely. But you, you play a complete game, not not one that's driven by just shooting threes. And the same goes for football. This whole full aerial assault is a joke. It is an absolute joke. I will tell you a team that could have been dominant if they would have just signed a quarterback who was legitimate, and that's the Tennessee Titans. 
The Tennessee Titans had the defense and they had the running game. They just didn't have the quarterback. And if they would have had a decent quarterback, Derrick Henry could have run the ball 300 times, you know, a, a season, 350. They could have pounded it. They would have forced teams that are now scheming to play nickel and dime coverage now to all of a sudden have to play a traditional base defense of a 4-3 or a 3-4, right? Now you have different personnel on the field. And so then what happens is now you can do play at your fake, right, which they love to do, and you can be successful. You could also wear them down and be successful. And sooner or later what's going to happen because it is a copycat league is that a team is going to break through with that model. And then it's going to happen again, and then the tide is going to turn and all of a sudden. But for the incoming crop of running backs, because this is about the state of the running backs, they're screwed. Because teams feel as though they can go get a running back in the third or fourth round, go get another running back in the seventh round, and I'm good. Right. And then they say, well, I'm going to run you for three or four years and then I'm going to go get another one like they're disposables. Right. That doesn't happen. That's only for diapers for kids. Right. That's where the disposable comes in. You need to get a reliable back. You need to go back to the days of getting a Thurman Thomas, a Barry Sanders, an Emmett Smith, a Walter Payton. The list can go on and on. Curtis Martin that you have there. You can get a Curtis Martin. The list can keep going on and on and on and be very, very successful and pay them commiserate to what their play is. So, you know, they, we, when we go back in time, we can look at what happened with Le'Veon Bell, right? And, and we can understand what happened with Le'Veon. He was trying to stand out and really be uh, the spokesperson and, and the leader for the running backs. It backfired on him. I think Adam Gase caused it to backfire, to be honest with you, right? He goes to the Jets, and we talked about it. You, you told me the stories. So that backfired on him. But now you have the current crop. And you look at these guys that are still, Stevie D, we're in training camp. We're in training camp, and there are legitimate starting running backs that can make the difference that are not on a roster. Something's wrong there. You got guys like a Saquon Barkley having to settle for a deal Daniel Jones is not Daniel Jones without Saquon Barkley. The Giants are not where they were last year without Saquon Barkley. We saw what happened when Saquon was hurt. They were garbage. And now all of a sudden he's healthy. He's ready to go. And then they, they want to balk at paying him. And they want to say, oh, no, no, you, your shelf life is almost up. No, Daniel Jones' shelf life was up when he got drafted. The only reason why he's in the league is because of the, the Manning Passing Academy and because he was down there at Duke with, with, with the quarterback coach down there. I mean, ridiculous. Ridiculous. What's happening to Delvin Cook? Ridiculous. I could see Delvin a little bit more than Saquon, maybe. Maybe just because of age. But he was productive he last year. His injuries are weird, Delvin Cook. You're a little low there. You're, you're, you're a little low. Yeah, I'm having some mic problems. Okay. Yeah, and, and definitely injuries. You know, I could see the injuries coming into play. I, I absolutely could see that. But, but you know, I also, I also know that when you, when you look at what he did last year, he had a very productive year last year. 
Now, unless something happened in that offseason to make you scratch your head, aside from the calendar flipping over to the next month, he's still ready to go. You didn't see that drop off. He didn't go from four, four, two, four, three yards per carry to all of a sudden two eight, right? We saw that with Adrian Peterson. I could see you saying, you know, Adrian, I can't pay you the 10 million or 12 million or 15 million just because your production hasn't really been, you know, equivalent to what the salary you with the salary you're requesting. I could see that. Not in this case. Not in this case. And, and really what they're doing is they're gutting the team. They're going to try to build it around Justin Jefferson. Okay, that that that's what you're going to do. But you're going to fail. And you had a team that was was primed and ready to go. You lost Aaron Rodgers from the division. You had a good offense, right, even though I'm not a fan of Kirk Cousins. And, and you, you jettisoned the running back in Delvin Cook. Makes no sense. Now, Ezekiel Elliott, I, I'm, I'm not a big Zeke fan. Right. And so I'm going to be biased in what I say here, Stevie D. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's still a legitimate back. I don't think that he warrants the same type of of contract, maybe that that uh, an Eckler or that a uh, a Barkley or McCaffrey. I I don't think he's in that same group, but still he's a legitimate back and he's sitting out there. Right. And again, that one may be injury. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a shame. And what what I do find interesting, CBD, and, and I'm sorry to hog this. Like, give me a thumbs up I, if you're I, ready. I, I, okay. What what I what I do find interesting is that the running backs had a Zoom call, right? So it was it was all the top running backs. I don't know everybody that was there, and I don't know everybody that wasn't there, right? But I you know widely reported that they had this big running backs Zoom meeting, and when they had this Zoom meeting. They were talking about the state of the running back position, talking about contracts, talking about how they're being abused with this franchise tag, you know, going through everything, going through the whole lay of the land. And what I found interesting is that no more than 24 hours later is when Saquon Barkley signed his deal with the Giants. Yes. Yeah. What I'm wondering is because you heard a lot of speculation what the running backs were going to do. But really what I'm wondering is that if out of that conversation, there aren't plans for 2024, because I believe the CBA is up in 2029, which means that that's a long time before you can really address the franchise tag. But if the running backs may be staged some sort of boycott or, you know, they're all holding out. Uh, before training camp or before game one or something along those lines. I'm curious if something like that may transpire because the timing of it just didn't feel right, right? Two days before this running back meeting, Saquon Barkley is on a podcast, right? We should You should have come on OW Sports, Saquon. You could have been on here. We could have released that one. But he's on a podcast talking about how, you know, he feels disrespected and he said, F the coaches, F the organization, F my teammates. He he didn't say it directly saying that to them, but he's like, if you're not going to respect me, then all of that, right? Hey, this is, came out of his mouth, right? There's no interpretation to that. And then you have the meeting, and then you sign. I don't know if my mic is going to be so out of whack with this, but it's interesting, it's interesting. and I wonder if – 
the owners and the GMs look at it and say the wide receiver scale has gotten so high, the quarterback scale is high, and we're going to offset it by minimizing the running back position to bring back some of the cap flexibility. It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's possible. It, it, it very is very much it's possible. Bizarre. Think about it. It's bizarre. That we're that but running think, backs get paid. Think about your wide receiver position. Let, let me let me take my Buffalo Bills for, as an example. I have Stefan Diggs, first round draft pick. I have Gabriel Davis, third round draft pick. I have Trent Sherfield, Andy Isabella, Deontay Hardy. Guys that are third, fourth, sure. fifth, sixth round draft picks, right? A mixed mixed bag of, of, of wide receivers. Exactly. And that is not uncommon throughout the league. Every once in a while you'll have, you know, what they have out in Seattle, right, where you have kind of have two number ones out there, right? But there's just a big drop-off. When you, when you look at that and you look at the money, the money is not that not that big. Right now, Deontay Hardy, he signed for, I believe it was about nine million over two or three years, about three million a year. Um, when when you look at uh Trent Sherfield, uh he was like a million seven, a one-year deal, right? So you're not spending a whole lot of money there, right? We know that the, the bulk of the money is with the quarterback. We we understand that, right? But don't tell me that a running back who is playing on the field, if there's 60 snaps, playing 50 of the 60 snaps, right? Maybe 45 of the 60 snaps, it, that doesn't necessarily mean touches, but he's out on the field. Don't tell me that he can't, you know, garner a paycheck of 12, 13, 14, 15 million dollars. And a running back is the quarterback's best friend. We right. all know this, yeah. right? Takes it. Any rookie quarterback, what do you say? Got to have a good running game. Got to have it. Got to have it. Every, every rookie quarterback. In order for you to be successful, we got to have a good running back. Yes, we have to have good wide receivers, but we need to have the running back, right? In order for a quarterback to to in order for a quarterback to be successful in the pocket, what do they say? You got to have that running back that can pick up the blitz, right? That's what they say. In order to be successful as a quarterback, they say you have to have that good safety valve. You got to have a running back that can catch out of the backfield. Well, these are these are all the things you're saying the running back has to do. Not to mention that you have to have a balanced offense, right? Don't they say that? You have yeah. to have a balanced offense. You have to keep the defense honest, meaning I have to be able to get more than three yards of carry. All of this on the shoulders of the running back, but yet you want, first of all, you don't want to draft the running back in the first round. Fantasy. Go back to fantasy, right? You have your fantasy draft. Who are they drafted? Wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, right? It used to be running back, running back. Yes, that's then, right. That's right. Yeah. Right? Is that what it used to be? Now it's wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, right? Put put the emphasis on the guy that's most important, right? And really, we honestly, we all know that the money really should be at the offensive line and defensive line more than just the left tackle. Right. right, it should be spread out for left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Because without those five guys, you're not doing anything. Right, you can't run, you can't pass. So that's where the money should be. 
but it isn't, right? And so now you move away from there. Where should it be after that? I'll give you the quarterback. And after that, it's go to your running back. Just, just how I see it, I, I think it's very disrespectful. What I would like to do, though, Stevie D, is that in the coming weeks, I definitely want us to reach out to see if we can get, you know, some guys that played in the league at that position to come in and kind of talk about this, right? Their experience, what they see, right? Because maybe maybe my eyes of what I'm seeing and what I'm understanding are a little bit different because I didn't play in the league, right? But I think at the end of the day, I think we're going to be aligned in exactly that. Oh, I agree. So, I think we're definitely going to be aligned. When you think about it, who touches the ball outside of the center and the quarterback the most? It's a running back. It's a running back. There you go. There you go. Wide receivers are complaining if they don't get 10, 10 to 12 targets. Right. He 10 gets to 12 targets. <laughs> think about that. Running back is touching it 25 to 30 times just in rushing, five times in receiving. And they're picking up the blitz. And picking up the blitz. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. And taking the pounding on the goal line, taking the pounding at fourth and one, third and one, taking that pounding. Stevie D, I I know you you want to talk about it. We got we got the the actual, no pun intended, kickoff to the season is tomorrow. And all of a sudden, technical difficulties have hit your area. So I, I don't know if you can do it, but you know, definitely this is this is your time to shine. Uh, you know, you got you got two people, but one who I definitely agree is, is long overdue. So. Oh, look this at was, that. This was my license plate in New York. When I was it really? There. Yep. And actually I got, because in New York, you got to have two. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I would love to get Joe Klecko's address and actually send him one as a token. Uh, because nobody can ever have this license plate in New York ever because I own have it. Have you posted that anywhere? No. Oh, you absolutely have to. You so, you you have to. I'll probably take a picture to. of it and put it as my Facebook. Uh, well, uh, thing, and, and and even at at Klecko, if, if he's a social media guy, he's I not. can't see Klecko being a. No, he's player. not. I, I just can't. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but he, you never not. know. He could be at home on his BlackBerry. <laughs> but you know, I, we were supposed to go um, this weekend, and then. Uh, my son got hurt, and uh, and he's going to be out a while, and and uh, and so we we thought better of putting him on the plane because he's uncomfortable um, sitting. So um, we had we had to scrap it. So it kind of stinks. Uh, ooh, that's what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, so we we won't be there. Um, obviously, we'll watch it and be there in spirit, but uh, it, it stinks. Well, we were we were able to give the tickets away. Um, uh, to somebody, so they were able to go. You did, you did oh. find somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those tickets don't go away. They're good seats too. They were down low uh, for did Saturday you know production. What's up? Did you know the people? Yes. Yeah. Actually, it was somebody from from on my wife. So, um, and uh, so it, it's going to good use. And um, if they're down really low, we're down by the uh, by the families and stuff. Like really, <laughs> we're on the field. We're not up in the stands. So. We were in, in those makeshift chairs that are down below, and it, it's. I, I was trying to get Bills Mafia to see if anybody wanted to go, just so that when Revis went up there, boo! 
you know, <laughs> no, no, Buffalo didn't have much success against him, but, uh, um, but uh, it is a special weekend, uh, a week for the Jets. You know, honestly, to have my favorite Jet go in and my son's favorite Jet um, go in at the same time, it would have been special to be there. But nonetheless, it's special for the Jets organization um, to see th- those two get recognized. And obviously, Joe Klecko um, getting recognized for his work in the 70s and 80s. Uh, really an underrated, undervalued player. If you if, if you ask John uh, John Hanna, the the left tackle for the uh, or the right tackle for the Patriots, uh, Hall of Famer, and he if you ask him who was the toughest guy he you ever defended against in your Hall of Fame career, and he said it was Joe Klecko, and it wasn't even close. Let me let me ask you a question because Klecko played in an era which obviously there was very little ESPN, very little talk radio. You know, very little 24-hour coverage of sports, no social media. You take him and take his same game, same production, right, and move it 20 years later. Is is he – does he have to wait to the senior committee or is he in right – I think away? he's in now because, like most players in that yep. era, he was a tweener between a sack being recorded and yep. not. Yep. And so guys like, um, oh my, Deacon Jones, right? Phenomenal player. He played in an era there was no sack total, but at all. And so everybody knew who he was. But then when you started getting into people looking at numbers and you looked at sack numbers, Joe Kleck was the first six years of his career. They never recorded that. And then all of a sudden they did. So when you look at his numbers and you see a sack total, you're like, hold is he a Hall of Famer? But he was the first I, player I, ever to make the Pro Bowl in three different spots on the defensive line. First player ever. You know, they talk about players today. Oh, they're all pros in multiple. He did it three times, right? And it, it's it's not easy going from a 4-3 to a 3-4 and dominate. And he did that with the Jets. He, he, I, I have mad respect. I, I've told you about that one, right? From day one, absolutely agreed with you that he should be in, right? And, and actually, I'm glad that he's getting in, right? I What, what hurt Klecko, in my opinion, was Mark Gastineau, right? They don't and, get along, those two. Yeah, I, I probably understand why, but I think Gastineau, Gastineau was Dion with limited ability. And, and what I mean by that he is that he was a showman. And, and at that time, right, and, or, and even today, but at that time, just like Prime said, right, there's Dion and then there's Prime time. And he realized at his position that he had to develop this character, right? Sure. Yeah, and that sure. character afforded him the ability to be recognized. And then once he got on there, he put on a show. And then he got drafted where he got drafted and got paid, right? Cornerbacks weren't getting paid. Mark Gassino did the same thing, right? He he created this character, this mantra, the, the sack dancer, whatever he was doing out there with the hair just flowing all throughout the helmet. So he stood out. You knew who he was, right? But who was the lunch pail guy? Who was the guy that was coming in day in and day out, getting the job done? And like you said, in three different positions, producing, right? That's the guy that got overshadowed until now. And, and again, very much kudos for that. He had 20 and a half sacks as a nose tackle. 
right? Back in the day, never heard of that. You hear about that yep. today in the era downs of the world. But back then, 20 and a half sacks out of a nose tackle, he was so strong and how he was able to just manhandle some of those linemen. Uh, you know, now hold on. When you go against Steve Grogan, he can't get out the way. Steve Grogan. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't miss him with his neck roll and his torn neck. I mean, I'm, I'm sure 19 of the 20 were there. You had to mention that guy's name. Oh, I couldn't stand Steve Grogan. Everything about well, that guy angered me. That, that's for, for Marcus if he if he's still on or if he ever listens. Who's Grogan? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Steve Those Grogan. Patriot fans. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited uh, to obviously be the team that kicks off the season on Thursday night football. It's great that um, week one of the NFL, you got your Buffalo Bills and, and my Jets going up against it on, on the battle on Monday night football and the kick off the season. It's going to be great, man. Um, I'm just – it's great to have a team that I feel is a complete team and the first time in a long time um, that I feel good going into the season where if you can stay moderately healthy at the key positions, you you have a chance to to get to the, you know, the dance, right, in, in, in January. And, uh, and it's cool. I think it's going to be a great season for us, you know, battling on, on OW Sports, talking about our teams, about our division. I think we have the toughest division in football, and I don't think it's By close. Far. I don't think it's close. And, and look, and I hate the Patriots, but I can't count the Patriots out because, unfortunately, Bill O'Brien is a pretty good guy on the offensive side of the ball. I just don't believe in Mac Jones, but I don't know what he's going to bring there to New England. That's the wild card there, and I, I do think New England's a last-place team in this division. But ultimately, I think all three teams have the ability to be over 500 in this division. I think it's I think it's very possible. Um, and uh, I mean, Miami is still a strong football team. They got a little bit of a bad blow with, with Jalen Ramsey, um, but I, I do think if Toa, Tua stays healthy, they they can win some games. I just don't think he's going to be there all year. So you know, that's where Miami could go a little bit sideways. Um, Jets historically has had health problems, staying healthy in key spots. It's been the Achilles heel. It's not a you can't use that as an excuse. You can use that excuse once, but in the last five years with the Jets, it's not an excuse. It's a problem, right? Why why are we getting hurt all the time? Why right? And we're not talking about you know you get rolled up on it and you lose a player because you got rolled up on it. That's different, right? Well, I'm talking about injuries where you're saying really that's how you got hurt. Come on, right? So. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the injury front. <clears throat> I think when you when you look at um, what makes a good team, no longer is it the players themselves, but it's it's your general manager and, and the the front office who is able to provide the level of depth that you were talking about on your defensive yeah. line mm-hmm. to be able to put the quality players in there. And you know, I, I have to give Buffalo a D last year, right? Because you saw that they were trending high, right? Von Miller goes down and everything just came apart, right? Everything came apart. Um, and that, that means the likes of an AJ Epinesa, who they're so high on, he failed. That you means that a, a Greg Rousseau failed. Right. And that's why you brought in a Leonard Floyd. That's why you did some of these other things. So we'll see, hopefully, from Buffalo's perspective. But to your point, 
where you're going with the injuries, right? These GMs have got to find the quality, uh, go back to the race, find the quality of maybe the lesser known players to sit in those positions so that if something does happen, that you can kind of keep things going. It may not be running at a level 10, but maybe at an eight or seven. That keeps you competitive all the way through. And when you talk about when you talk about Tua, because I I'm in full agreement with you on Tua. I don't see Tua lasting a full 17 game season. Just don't. But they have Mike White as the backup, right? Mike White proved himself serviceable, but I'm leery on if he can deliver what they need. I I think he can. I think he can. You who who saw him very very much up close, you know, you don't feel as that feel that way. So. It, it just becomes when, when we break down those numbers, right? With Mike White, he had a lot of yardage that came in a second half of a football game, right? And then when you got inside the twenty, couldn't score. Yeah, just couldn't score, um, and it, it's that's not good, right? But if you ask Mike White to play a game or two. Yeah, I think Mike Mike White can do it. I just don't see Mike White as a a, a long term answer during a season to bring. Sure. It to the- he, he's Kevin Cobb. Yeah. If you guys remember a few years back, he's yeah. Kevin Cobb. Yeah. He he's Mike, Mike White is Mike White for a reason, and that's yeah. where he's at on a depth chart, right? If he was a starter, people would have seen the tape and said, "Oh yeah, we got something there," and somebody would have signed him to compete as a starter. Sure. Nobody signed sure. him to be as a starter. So everybody in the league views Mike White of what Mike White is. And it's not a knock on Mike White. That's just who you are. So, Well, CBD, uh, we, we've gone a little bit over, but we thank everybody that was able to hang in there with us. Um, you know, kind of, again, waking up from the hibernation, the kickoff to season six, um, literally less than 24 hours from now, there's going to be a kickoff to – to the new season. So very excited for that. Um, and, and we're going to continue to dig into, you know, the different topics that we have out there. Uh, you know, we're all over on social media, whether it be Instagram, um, we're on threads too, but Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we're on threads. You were telling me threads is, is, isn't going too well. Uh, yeah. but we we're an early adopter and, um, uh, but you can, you can find us out there. Hit us up. Uh, I see Lamar wants to get wants us to really kick off the OW Sports After Dark. Uh, he's actually setting the time for August 9th. So yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but outside of that, no, it, it's it's good to be back. It's good to talk, and definitely, you know, I'm rooting for a very successful season for for my Buffalo Bills. Bill's Mafia, um, and I know you're doing the same for your Jets, Gang Green. Um, also, um, you know, we're going to start unleashing the pages for, uh, what is it, the Jet Hanger and Mafia Den. So uh, those are going to be opened up, and we'll have some articles, some, you know, pre really quick reads. They're not going to be clickbait. Trust me, they will not be clickbait. But uh, go go to the website owsports.net. Um, we're seeing it'll be honest takes. It will be honest takes on either pre games or post game, or the raw feelings a- after the game, um, and not sugarcoating. 
just because you're you're rooting for your, you know I'm rooting for the Jets and you're rooting for the Bills. Uh, if the Jets lay that egg, it's going to be known in that article, right? Yeah, it's a good thing we didn't do that last year after that Cincinnati playoff game. I don't think well, I'm so ready to go to the Jets season. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, all right. So that, that's going to kind of wrap everything up. Again, we appreciate everybody. We really do. Um, glad to be back. Um, and for Vince, my co-host, Steve, we'll talk to you.